back to the crossover across time podcast for one of our uh, few remaining bonus episodes for this regular season. Uh, this being our franchise focus for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Of course, we had previously scheduled this for last Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we weren't able to do it at that time, but we're going to have it for you here. Um, and over the next couple of days, we'll be finishing out our franchise focus episodes. We have the uh, Portland Trailblazers, the Golden State Warriors, and the Washington Wizards remaining. But of course, today we're focusing on the Timberwolves. If you're new to our franchise focus segment, basically we we uh, talk a little bit more in depth about a particular franchise in three different aspects. Firstly, we talk about the current team's direction and outlook going forward. We then talk about a notable historic team from that franchise's history. And then finally, excuse me, finally, we talk about a notable and or legendary player from that franchise's history, uh, someone who's important and or um, memorable for a variety of reasons to that franchise. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and waste no more time, get right into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. With our uh, first segment being the current Minnesota Timberwolves, the team structure, the outlook, what things look like for the team. And for the Timberwolves, this is maybe one of the most complex pictures of any of the teams that we've talked about. Um, a lot of teams can fall generally into, you know, uh, a few different camps, but, uh, you know, there's teams that are clearly on the rise looking to continue to build with young cores. There are teams that are starting to trend downwards and maybe looking towards a, doing a rebuild or maybe have started to rebuild. Um, but a lot of times, more often than not, you're able to pinpoint exactly, okay, this team is moving upward or this team is trending downwards. With the Timberwolves, it is a very tough team to narrow down. Over the last five or six seasons, um, they've had three seasons uh, where, if we go back to 2017, 2018, uh, the 2018 NBA season, uh, one of their two playoff appearances, uh, standard playoffs in the last six years. It could be three, depending on what happens with the play-in tournament, but... Um, the last six full seasons, including this season, they have three seasons above 500 and they have three seasons below 500, two of them well below 500 and those two well below 500 right in the middle. And it's hard to distinguish huge changes that happen within that time. One that could be noted, of course, is head-coaching and whether that's fully correlation and or causation that can be debated um when the team struggled the most they had uh ryan saunders as their uh head coach the 2018 2019 years they had tom thibodeau and more recently they've had chris finch as their head coach and it looks like finch has done a solid all-round job um this season of course the timberwolves are in the play-in tournament we know that at this point they've lost the first game which was on the road in la against the lakers now they have the chance to host um, the winner of the 9-10 matchup in a uh, final game to see if they can clinch that eighth seed. If they win that spot, they will play the um, Denver Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs, which would be an interesting series, some Northwest division teams. But it's just a tough team to pin down. You look back at the 20, uh, let's see, look back a season prior when they made the playoffs um, they came out of the play-in tournament in that scenario as well, uh, clinched that seventh seed. 
faced off against the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round in 2022. And there was a lot of different players involved on that team. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the key guys the same, but D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Um, let's see. Yeah, Beverly, Vanderbilt, Beasley. Um, Greg Monroe played a few spot minutes. Josh Okogie. A lot of these guys, and especially those four, Russell, Beverly, Vanderbilt, and Beasley, those four players who were big rotational pieces, a couple of them starters, actually most of them starters, um, they were not on the team this season. So there's been some you know, upheaval in the roster. Generally, things have um, been consistent when it comes to the stars. Anthony Edwards, the young star, Carl Anthony Towns starting to get kind of into his prime. He's been in the league a little bit, a little while. He's 26 years old. Those two are the keys. Jaden McDaniels, a young player. He's another key. Um, this season, it seemed in the offseason they, that they were going to be taking that next step. They made a huge, splashy move in the offseason to bring in Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz in a certainly unique pairing, and especially for this era of basketball to pair Gobert with Carl Anthony Towns, two seven-footers, um, centers playing opposite each other, um, playing a Twin Towers, modern-day Twin Towers, if you will, Towns playing more of that power forward spot. And you have those, you still have Anthony Edwards, they had D'Angelo Russell. It looked like a pairing that if the cards went, you know, went the right way, if it worked out, this could be one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, at some points, Timberwolves looked like they would be uh, one of the weak teams in the whole postseason equation if they made the postseason at all. Um, then they would have runs every so often. They started off the 2023 20, calendar year with a really good run. Looked like they were stringing things together. They missed Carl Anthony Towns for a majority of the season. They didn't have a lot of consistency. And the biggest question mark going forward for this Timberwolves team, regardless of this postseason run, is where does Rudy Gobert factor in long term? Now, when talking about this, I want to preface that, of course, as a Utah Jazz fan, I have been a fan of Rudy Gobert for a long time. He was one of my favorite players. Um, he's such a unique talent. However, we've seen a little bit of a different side of Gobert this season. Um of course, he has not played as stellarly as he has in his past all-star type campaigns and defensive player of the year type campaigns. He was still productive. Let's not mispaint the picture here. Uh, average about 13 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, 1.4 blocks, uh, 0.8 steals. Again, not quite that all-star level, but it's still an above average starter, a very, very productive starter. Starting alongside Towns, it's still a pretty good pairing as far as talent level and what they're able to do together. Um, you have the mid to late season change. D'Angelo Russell went out. Mike Conley was brought in instead. Conley, a less scoring-centric guard. He's a little bit more just team-centric, passing, um, filling in gaps, if that makes sense, You know those types of things. He's not going to look to score for himself as much. Anthony Edwards taking a little bit more of a step forward, um, making his first all-star team this season, so that's great. And again, Jane McDaniels made another move forward, becoming one of the league's better defensive wings. So in some ways, their starting lineup was was shored up. 
But in other ways, there was questions about the Gobert fit with this team and this culture and how it's all going to work out. And he's 30 years old. He's not, he's not terribly old, but he's, you know, well into probably the second half of his career or on his way to the second half of his career. So that's something to keep in, keep in mind. Um, Mike Conley, 35, of course, he's, you know, not going to be playing for a long amount of time, maybe another two or three seasons before it's going to be kind of close to that time where he might be uh, retiring or something of that nature. Um, their bench, I will say there are still a lot of young pieces that have some interesting upside, particularly Nas Reed alongside Jalen Noel. And I think that Reed has shown a lot of bright signs for the Timberwolves. If the Gobert situation doesn't work out for whatever reason, it would, in my mind, be worth looking at Reed playing alongside Towns or whatever that you know lineup looks like because he has really shown some ability for the Timberwolves. 18 minutes a game, averaging 11 points, 5 rebounds a game, and an above-average defender. He's been really impressive, and he's started a few games this season. He's started a lot of games in the in last season as well. So he's a player to watch out for. Jalen Noel is interesting too. He could be an above average backup point guard. They have Nikhil Alexander Walker, the young uh, guard who's with the jazz Luca Garza, the um, college standout who's uh, been a G league standout so far and looking to find his footing in the NBA. That's your young talent off your bench, your kind of pipeline and they've got some productive players in their main rotation, mainly Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince, versatile wings who can do a lot of different things, um, defensive ability, scoring, shooting, um, playmaking, you know, fitting a team concept. Kyle Anderson is mainly more of this, but Torian Prince uh, is a fairly versatile player as well. So uh, they've got an older Austin Rivers, who's an okay-ish guard off the bench, Jordan McLaughlin, uh, McLaughlin has done okay as a backup guard, you know, and that's kind of the bulk of their team as it stands. Um, and I think that generally it's still a more positive thing. I think the Timberwolves with last season and this season, if they have a chance to clinch that eight seed, they could be starting to establish themselves as not just an okay-ish team in the West. They could be establishing themselves as more of a consistent playoff appearing type of team, which is, looking at the Timberwolves history better than they've had for much of their history um, would be a great thing for the city, for the fan base. But in all but one of their playoff appearances, they've lost in the first round. And really you're, you're not wanting to just get more first round exits. You're wanting to go on deep playoff runs and you want to have a contending type of core. And that's where a lot more of the questions come in for the Timberwolves as far as how exactly they get there. I like their current team as far as being competitive, but long-term being elite, that's where I have some questions. Carl Anthony Towns, he's a multi-time all-star at this point. He's one of the better, he's one of the best offensive players um, at center in the NBA. That's an easy one to say. He's maybe the best shooting, three-point shooting center in NBA history. That's, you know, one of the best things you can say. And again, he's a very productive player. This season averaged in only 29 games. Again, he missed a lot of time with injury. About 21 points a game, eight rebounds, about five assists. 
defensively he's not stellar, but he's an offensive threat and he's versatile. He's long. He's tough to guard. But I think if you're the Timberwolves, you probably need to look at Anthony Edwards as the star and Carl Anthony Towns as the secondary star. If those are going to be the two guys you continue to build with, regardless of what works out with Rudy Gobert. Edwards this season, again, his first all-star appearance, about 24 and a half points a game, six rebounds, four and a half assists, one and a half steals and 0.7 blocks. He has the two-way play ability. His shooting is getting better and better, and he's always been a very solid scorer, and he's even more. He's even stronger. He's even more confident. And he's getting that playmaking edge, too. You know, he's rebounding well. He's got size, but he's also adding some assists. He's working within a team concept. Um, He might be one of the more underrated players at this point as far as his overall impact. And he, to me, is the piece as far as if he's continues to grow at this rate and becomes one of the league's top players bar none that's what would really need to happen for this current Timberwolves structure to be elevated to an elite type of team in the west Um, especially with how wild things are you've got a lot of competitiveness right now in the west you've got Denver and Sacramento is now starting to become a solid team um Phoenix Suns, you got Memphis with Jaw, you've got Golden State still, you know, as they're kind of getting to the tail end, they've still got, you know, all-star level play, some of the best shooters of all time. They've got a great championship experienced group. And so, you know, you're gonna need more than just a good team to be a real elite championship contending team in the Western Conference. That's my overall point. Um but again, on the whole, I think if you're the T- a Timberwolves fan, you're, you know, of course, happy to see them consistently competing for playoff type positioning, uh, especially over the last couple of years and more broadly over the last six or seven years. You know, they've been in that hunt, in that mix. That's a great thing to see. It's better than some of the real thin years they've had in, in recent memory. Um, and so you're encouraged by that, but. There's just some lingering questions, some background questions as far as how they take that next step. Can they do it? You know, what's what's the roadmap for that? So that's the Timberwolves current direction. Kind of my thoughts on their outlook. Uh, We spoke about their recent history. Let's jump to our historic team for the franchise. And that comes from their recent history. We're going to talk about that 2018 Minnesota Timberwolves team. This was the team that broke at the time. It was the longest active playoff drought. Before this season, the Timberwolves had not made the playoffs since they made the conference finals with Kevin Garnett winning the league's MVP in 2004. Since then, they had missed the playoffs every year uh, until this 2018 season. And so it was a huge landmark season as far as, you know, rebuilding the franchise, getting back to competitiveness. Tom Thibodeau, who was coach and GM, was at the helm. They made the eighth seed in the West facing off against the number one seed Houston Rockets that year. Um, and it was a great mix of, uh, of players. It's interesting how in not a too long of a time span, there's only really one player from this 2018 Timberwolves team that's on the current team. And that is Carl Anthony Towns, who started all 82 games that season, averaging sort of similar numbers. Um, but the rest of that lineup, you had... Jeff Teague, veteran point guard starting. Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins were your wings. 
Jimmy Butler his lone, um, you know, season for the most part in Minnesota after the trade from the Chicago Bulls. He played a few games in the next season before being traded to Philadelphia, but um, he had an all-star type season here. And then Wiggins was still productive, not quite emerging as the unique force he was for the Warriors in their title run this past season, but he was still a decent player. And then Taj Gibson was starting at power forward alongside Carl Anthony Towns, so it was a little bit more of an older school type, bigger, uh, forceful interior presence. Off the bench, they had the waning years of Jamal Crawford and his six-man notoriety. They signed Derrick Rose towards the end of the season um, in the early run of what would be Derrick Rose's years of six-man type play. They had Tyus Jones off the bench as well in his um, still some of his early years in the league. Uh, Nemanja Bielica, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. He's been in, he was in the league for a little while there, a versatile player. This was um, where he really started to come into his own and be, you know, widely re- well regarded as far as, you know, uh, stretch big, but also could you know, rebound, good size, things like that. Um, so he was a good part of their bench. Gorgie Jang, who's a longtime member or was a longtime member of the Timberwolves, good size, you know, could play the, the four or the five. So the bench was all right. Starting lineup was solid and had some all-star ability. Um, but more importantly, it was great to see the Timberwolves break that drought. And that was when the spotlight really started to get sh- uh, shined brightly on the Kings. They were the next team up. Um, they had the second longest active drought. Of course, this season, the 2023 season, they finally broke that, and everyone is excited for that. So we've kind of ended this era of long playoff droughts. Um, the current longest active playoff drought, I believe, is the Charlotte Hornets, and they've made the playoffs within the last um, six or seven years, I believe. So um, it's good to see we don't have droughts of – 15, 17 years, things like that. So that's great to see. But yeah, this team, it was a solid team all year. They have um, one of the games that potentially helped inspire the modern play-in tournament. You know, of course, where the Timberwolves at this moment are in, they're in that play-in tournament. But it was the final game of the regular season. The Nuggets and the Timberwolves had the same overall record. They were uh, 46 and 35, and they had a mini play-in tournament. They happened to play each other on the last game of the regular season. They had a sort of mini play-in tournament to see who would get that final playoff spot and who would be sent home as the ninth spot and miss the playoffs entirely. So that was one of the legacies of this team was help you know plant the seeds of the ideas for the modern playing tournament. So that's a legacy unique to them. Um, <clears throat> and the, the same, uh, the nuggets of that same year, you look at the playoff series. Uh, it was a gentleman sweep by the Houston Rockets, four games to one. Um, you know, you didn't really ever expect the Timberwolves to win that series, but it was great to get that one win in the series. And again, to just be back in the playoffs in general um, in the series, if you'll remember, that was maybe the best Rockets team with James Harden. It was Harden's elite scoring ability, uh, Clint Capella, forceful inside presence, Chris Paul, you know, savvy point guard play, 
And then they just had all that lights out shooting around him. Um, and that was tough to battle. Even, you know, Timberwolves having a guy like a Jimmy Butler, um, you know, he, he didn't average a huge amount of points in this game or in the series. And uh, they weren't able to overcome that, but still the legacy of that team being able to kind of help uh, continue to steer the franchise in a positive direction. That's something I think that's worth highlighting. So, you know, kudos to this team for being able to do that. Um, now we shift to our notable and or legendary player from the franchise's history. And we are actually going to go with maybe a surprise pick, but I always kind of like going with uh, teams or teams and or players that go a little bit under the radar. We're going to talk about Tom Gugliotta, uh, a player who still ranks in the top 10 all time in Timberwolves win shares. Um, uh, unfortunately for the franchise uh, up to this point, it's not a very extensive list of players with massive amounts of win shares, but um <clears throat> Still, he was a productive player. Um, a little bit of an interesting backstory. He uh was uh he comes out of Huntington Station in New York's Long Island. Uh had a lot of brothers. They some of them played professionally in different capacities, uh internationally and things like that. Um apparently his father was uh friends at one point with Jim Valvano, the famous head coach of North Carolina State University at that time. Um, and Tom Gugliotta's father reached out to Coach Valvano, mentioned, you know, saying his son's praises, said he was going to be a great player. And Valvano took a chance, gave him a, an opportunity to play for him at North Carolina State. And early on, he was, you know, uh, not a big minutes player, didn't get a bunch of opportunities to play, you know, freshman year in college. But with every coming season, he would get more and more productive. By the end of his college campaign, he was a bona fide star averaging over 20 points, 10 rebounds a game. Um, <clears throat> he was drafted uh, sixth overall by the Washington bullets in the 1992 NBA draft. Um, and he played for 16, sorry, 13 seasons, still a long career, 13 seasons in the NBA with a, a variety, a myriad of teams. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, seven, seven different teams he played for in his lengthy NBA career. Um, and it's a career that can go very much under the radar, but he was solid. He was a one-time all-star and that one-time all-star appearance was his second to last season in Minnesota. He played in Minnesota for three and a half seasons, uh, midway through the 95 season up until the end of the 98 season. Um, and he was productive. I mean, in his Timberwolves career, three and a half seasons. He averaged 18 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, four assists, 1.7 steals, 1.0 blocks. And what I really like about Gugliotta, he was uh, either small forward or power forward. You could either play him as a uh, shooting power forward who was, you know, very skilled for that position or as a tall rebounding forceful small forward. Um, but he could play both positions, could shoot the ball well enough at the three to make that work. 6'10", 240, great size, again, unique player. And one of the reasons I like to talk about him is because, you know, he was traded in 98. Um, it's really interesting to think about if he had a chance to stick with Kevin Garnett. You know, he when he was traded, he's only 28 years old. If he had a chance to stick with Garnett for, you know, a series of seasons, what his um 
<clears throat> excuse me, what him and the Timberwolves, you know, trajectory could have been if Garnett had a bona fide secondary star and all star like a Gugliata. So that's kind of my um, point there. You know, there, there's some intrigue there, but um, I do need to clarify real quick as just double checking this Gugliata was not traded at the end of the 98 season. He was released. Um, they just didn't resign him, which I think is very odd indeed with him being such a productive player. Um, but his 97 season, his best season, 20.6 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and about the same averages and steals and blocks. Um, yeah, just a unique player. Great. One of the best Timberwolves players um, and an under-the-radar type player. He also has a couple of highlight dunks. Um, I believe he has one that he got against Charles Barkley. Um, I'm sure maybe a couple more on some other guys. Part of that versatility, you know, a scorer could stretch the floor a bit, but also could throw it down because, I mean, he had size, but also some decent athleticism. Um, so, yeah, great player. One story I wanted to highlight that I hadn't really heard about, and it's kind of a, uh, a scary one, you know, near-death experience. Uh, apparently, so I'm going to read direct from the Wikipedia page that uh, outlines this in detail. Uh, December 17th of 1999, um Gugliotta, uh, he was having trouble dealing, uh, tr- excuse me, having trouble sleeping after games. And so he was, uh, Gugliotta took a supplement marketed as a sleep aid, which included furanon dihydro, also known as gamma butralactone or GBL. And apparently this is a pretty dangerous substance. Gugliotta was talking to his wife, Nikki, on his uh, cell phone when he collapsed and stopped breathing. His wife heard the commotion and called the wife of teammate Rex Chapman, who was able to call her husband on the on the bus and instruct him to check his bag for the supplement bottle. The information same, saved Gugliotta's life as doctors were able to give him an antidote in the emergency room moments later. Um, yeah, it's such a scary situation and unbelievable for his wife to have the presence of mind to be able to figure out what the problem was and and save his life crazy situation but you know i guess it's certainly a notable part of his life crazy stuff um yeah just wanted to highlight that story but uh, as far as his playing career he was an under the radar player again all-star all rookie team member very productive um he was also a part of the united states uh gold medal winning team at the 99 tournament of the americas something I did not know about as well. So that's cool to note. Um, otherwise, yeah, other than the Timberwolves, of course, he started in Washington with the Bullets, played 40 games midway through the 95 season with the Warriors. He also played, he actually played much of his career with the Phoenix Suns, but by that point he was becoming more of a role player rather than a true star. Some of that perhaps due to injuries and things of that nature. Uh, and then tail end of his career, he went from Phoenix to the Utah Jazz in 04, then Boston, and then Atlanta, both of those teams coming in the 05 season. So became a journeyman a little bit later on, but when he was in his peak, he was one of the more underrated players in the league and uh, a nice, uh, also a little bit of a wrinkle of what if, what if Googs, as he was affectionately known, if he had been able to stay, be productive alongside of Kevin Garnett, could that have helped their team 
you know, break through that first round drought uh, sooner than they did. If you look at those Timberwolves teams with Garnett at the helm, it took them uh, seven previous playoff attempts or playoff series where they lost in the first round. The eighth time they finally got as far as the conference finals. But if Gugliotta had stayed, would they have a chance to maybe break that sooner? So something worth noting. But otherwise, um, that's Tom Gugliotta, and that's our uh, our player segment. And in turn, that's our franchise focus for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, real quick, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's Crossover Across Time on Instagram. All one word, no caps. We share content from the show along with doing our best to share content from across the NBA. So it's a great place along with the podcast itself to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA as a whole. Um, as far as our upcoming bonus episodes tomorrow, we will talk about uh, we'll do our franchise focus for both the Portland Trailblazers and the Golden State Warriors. So definitely stay tuned for both of those along with our normal Thursday and Friday show Friday. We'll also have a bonus episode for the Washington wizards. So we've got a jam packed show for you the rest of this week before we get into the playoffs proper. Um, once again, thanks. Uh, thank uh, Excuse me. fumbling over my words here. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you uh, on tomorrow's shows. Thanks again. 